1: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting
0: Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan, and welcome back to another episode. We're we're back on the roll. We're not missing every
1: other we're week here again.
0: again. I love it. Wow. <laughs> that being said, we I don't know if we'll put out an episode in two weeks because I'm going to be out of town for a little bit of the time between Christmas and New Year's, and I don't
1: know I when a, I'll be getting back. But I was about to say it's this crazy period of time known as the holiday season. Yeah, and we got we got there's there's stuff to do all safely. No mm-hmm.
0: big parties, anyone. Everyone, keep it fucking buttoned down for a little bit
1: longer. Please. <laughs> Don't um, want Daddy Omicron to pay us a visit. <laughs> well, like, that's the worst sentence I've heard all day. Um,
0: <laughs> so this week, I wanted to do a little bit of... what's kind of going to be an overview? Of a topic that, like, I might come back and do some more in-depth looks at uh, in the future. But I wanted to do kind of a, a big, broad overview of one particular area of sort of like mm-hmm. I hate saying game design because it's a term that is so broad
1: as to be practically meaningless. But like, well, let's let's uh, let's put this under a different thing then. Let's call it game presentation. There we go. That's a good. Yeah, that, yeah I like that. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, (laughs) i got you bud what i want to look at is
0: the ways that different games engage with violence and combat and how that influences sort of the overall feel of the game dylan mentioned a couple weeks ago i have recently been diving
1: pretty heavily into the world of stage combat and stunt Mm -hmm. work and I just wanted to compliment you. All all the stuff you've uploaded to your Twitter looks really good. And everyone who listens to the show should check out Chris's Twitter for that.
0: I Yeah, I'm on Twitter at the underscore CJ Wilson. I've been changing my branding there because I have such a fucking common name. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I've been doing a lot of stage combat stuff, trying to build out that sort of area of my expertise in case it's ever safe to do in-person theater again and I can just have that in my back pocket. Um, wouldn't that be nice? But I've also just been like having a lot of fun with it and it's been making me think a lot more about like the way that violence is presented in media and like why directors and fight choreographers and stunt coordinators make the decisions that they make and and the impact that that has on the story that they're telling. And I've been thinking about that in relation to games as well. And so I kind of want to just do, again, this is going to be a big, broad overview. We're not going to go as in-depth as we could on any of the sort of, things I want to bring up, but I just kind of want to do a talk through of, like, what the kind of thought process is and how a few of, like, the sort of predominant styles of game combat work from a, like, fight choreography and fight presentation perspective. So to start with, because... This is something I have strong opinions on. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I've been doing this deep dive, I've been like, you know, looking for content to consume about this and and looking for other people that are doing it, and there's a very particular like genre of YouTube video that is people who are experts in some aspect of real-world fighting. Maybe they are hema practitioners or kendo practitioners or are otherwise martial artists or martial arts historians. And they go in on all of the reasons why fight scenes in movies and martial arts in movies aren't real. And it makes me want to tear my hair out because of course it's fucking not. <laughs> like, tiny soapbox here, but the yes. real fights are messy. A real fight is is fast and not particularly like compelling to watch. You know, it's called
1: a scrap for a reason.
0: Yeah, it's going to be over very quickly. You're not going to get a lot out of it. It's not going to be pretty. You're not going to be able to really tell what's going on. Hell, the only reason that things like boxing and UFC are interesting to watch is because there's rules. And -hmm. because you've got two people that, like, know what the rules are. And, like, yeah, they can still be brutal. And, yeah, there are still moments where it's like, you know, you're not going to really be able to tell exactly what's happening. But that's the only reason that they're compelling to watch at all is because there's a level of
1: abstraction from just two people who want to kill each other right at the same time if you've ever seen a video of a fight on uh on the internet there's some there's some wild shit that happens oh
0: yeah there's some <laughs> deeply wild shit. my favorite my favorite subgenre of that are the videos it's always just like real little scrappy looking dudes that decide like ah you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to get drunk and pick on the bouncer at this bar. You know, oh, yeah. the very big guy whose job it is to eject people <laughs> like me from the premises. That's, my, that's what my Saturday night's going to be. They always get ruined. It's
1: hilarious. Talking um, mad shit. Like, you're not the one. You're not the one. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> anyway. Um, but anyway, yeah. it's so, like, hand. I,
0: I really... And again, I don't have anything against those people's perspective like the stuff they talk about is legitimate like they mm. break down very good points if you are looking at it from a like purely historical and purely like accurate to martial arts perspective but that's not anything like mm. the if i had to break down the sort of order of importance of like what goes into good fight choreography in a play or a movie item 1 is keeping everybody safe <laughs> Which is not a concern if you are actually trying to kill people like (laughs) the primary focus is making sure that you can do it in a way that is not going to hurt your performers at least beyond you know sometimes you can't get away without a bruise or a scrape but like Mm -hmm. designing everything in such a way that nobody's going to walk out of there with a broken limb or worse number two is conveying information accurately like fights in media are part of telling a story And if the fight director is doing their job right, every fight should serve to tell you something about the world or the characters involved in the fight or further the plot or something in a way that is followable by the audience and and is clear through the physicality. And then the third point I would bring up is believability, not realism. Mm Mm-hmm. Any fight in media that lasts for more than a few seconds is in some way not realistic or people are making bad combat choices or suboptimal like decisions of what to do next. Fights in the real world don't tend to last very long. Mm -hmm. And so rather than focusing focusing on realism, focusing on making sure that the action happening is believable in the
1: context of the world of your story. Because at a certain point, when you are watching something that is performed, like you have to buy into the illusion. At a Absolutely. certain point, you can't just like be like, "Well, that's not realistic." Because you know, it's you're not here. You're not here for a realistic experience. You're here for a story that will hopefully move you.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. And so believability is the way that I like to to couch it. And there is different aspects of that. Every fight director has their their own sort of preferred aesthetic and every story has its you know different considerations for how violence is going to be portrayed but as long as you're succeeding in believability realism can get right out right the fuck out the window as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing about now to transition into talking about games is we can take that first point of making sure that everything is safe and just discard it because it's animation it's 3d models like maybe there's actors doing motion capture performance work you know, and so in that in that uh, in that case, you need to make sure to consider like keeping them safe, but at the same time, like they're stunt professionals, they know what they're doing, and if they have to take a punch to the face, they get paid extra for that. That's a fun fact that I've learned in these classes. That's incredible. <laughs> um, we can disregard the the necessity of safety for the most part when talking about games, and just focus. What I really want to focus on is how games go about conveying the information they need to clearly and. What story is being conveyed through that, and, you know, that idea of believability, because we're getting getting into some pretty wild games here,
1: Mm -hmm. and Um, so
0: believability kind of comes to mean something different in games, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but... Wow, I've, I've talked a lot, and we haven't even gotten to a video game yet. Holy shit! No, it's shit. all good.
1: I, I learned a lot. Like, I'm this glad is what you've been up to for the past what six months?
0: Yeah, ish. And I'm I'm starting a uh, a knife class in the new year that I'm very. Oh, that sounds for. exciting! Yeah, it's it's. I'm so fucking pumped, dude! It's so yeah. fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So what I want to do, because again, this is sort of an overview. Is there's I was thinking about how to approach this, and I realized that most of the games I can think of that like really have their combat as a core mechanic mm-hmm. fall into three big camps. And there's you know there's bleeding and intermingling, and there's games that kind of exist on the peripherals of them. But I have to start somewhere. I have to abstract this to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three camps are. Character action games, so your, your Devil May Cries, your Bayonetta, your Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, your Souls-likes, so games like Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, I'll have to, I'll have to pick your brain about whether Neo falls into this category, but the I, games I, I that would, have kind of taken say. on the Dark Souls dodge,
1: parry, pacing out sort of style of combat... I would say yes and then I would have an interesting perspective a friend gave me on the in addition to I'm excited um, to get to that. that
0: yeah yeah um and then the third is sort of the Batman Arkham style so the sort of one versus many jumping all over the play style that was I don't want to I I don't want to say invented because I don't know what their inspirations were but like really codified by the Batman Arkham games and then yeah. have been picked up by a lot of other Kind of third
1: person the, action adventure the, the games. The Batman games rendered them in vogue. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and feel like, like, I feel like there were like I feel like if you look at uh, the original Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed 2, like they have a little bit of that DNA in, but like Batman's book really made it kind of free form.
0: Yeah, and then and like us, the Assassin's Creed series as it went on took more and more of that Batman DNA. Yeah, there, um, and then things like the the PlayStation there. Four Spider Man game and even aspects of like horizon zero dawn's combat has a little mm-hmm. bit of the the arkham flavor to it
1: okay
0: so those are like the three big tents that i was kind of able to to partition things out in and again there's overlap there's people wandering between the tents there's carnies who have set right. up their games
1: on the outside of <laughs> one of the tents It. yeah these, these are all uh based on like a common source which i would argue is the beat-em-up genre from like the 80s and 90s yeah absolutely um and you know it just these are all like different branches of how this type of brawler combat has evolved uh between different genres of like with different developers and different intent yeah and i mean hell
0: we've been seeing kind of a revival between like streets of rage 4 and uh oh yeah river river city girls there's sort of been a little mini renaissance of like classic 2d brawlers recently oh, really that i've been very to, here gonna, for i'm gonna impulse buy streets of rage for oh my god, god it's so good that? dude you should get it it's so okay. fucking fun all right absolutely the anim- the, the sprite work and the animation is so good like i don't even know if you can call it sprite work when it's all hand drawn like that but it's it's exceptional close um, enough close enough yeah but so i want to get into discussing each of these and in, in each of them yes. i kind of want to talk about again like i said How believable is it in the world we're talking about? And, like, how does it go about conveying the information that it needs to convey? And then how does that kind of spill over into how we engage with the games as a whole? And to start with, Dylan, I want to talk about character action games, because I know that's an area that you are much more, like, informed of than me. Okay.
1: So, Um, yeah, so, Chris, actually, while you were uh, kind of giving your explanation of um, choreography and safety and stuff like that, I was pulling up these two video clips of... Double May Cry Three, uh the first one is like a live action, like I wanna say he's a choreographer, but I'm not positive. But he's like kinda it's a it's a team that is storyboarding the uh cutscenes uh, for okay. the the live for the um motion capture people to go. I'm immediately to
0: real excited. I wanna get into doing performance capture so badly. It sounds so cool. Yeah,
1: that's 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 the dream. Like when when I saw these scenes as like, God, I must have been twelve or thirteen years old, I was like <gasps> That just seemed like the coolest shit, and then uh, yep. Uncharted was really what uh solidified that as like, oh man, I would love to do this so uh this okay, first so they're one, doing, like, um, reference yeah, I'm gonna say skip to uh, about 50 seconds in where you'll get a couple fight scenes um, and it'll show like a comparison clips um, and, oh, and, th- and for the audience at home, um like maybe I should. Do you, do you want to post these on the Twitter? Yeah, I'll wanna... I'll tweet these in the Twitter thread so you can you okay. can follow along.
0: Yeah, I mean, even just watching this this reference video, it's clear that they are go they're not shooting for realism here. There is no, nothing realistic not. about any of these movements. They're all really big. They're playing with like slowing down and sort of freeze framing in a very stylized kind of like getting that perfect shot way.
1: Lots of lots it, of big flourishes. It's all God, very it's so much good. about, like, how, what is the clearest way we can convey what one character is trying to do to another in the scene. Yeah. And or at this least is that's interesting because, to me.
0: Yeah. And this is all, these are all for, like, pre rendered cinematics, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the, they're. Well, they're, that's they're rendered kind of, in engine, but yes, they are. Yeah. But, all. but I mean, like, this is, this is
1: not game. These are not references for gameplay. These are references no, no. for a cutscene. There is a. Uh, a video on uh, Ruben Langdon's channel of him doing uh, motion capture for actual in-game moves. Um, Very cool. And for whatever reason, that's really rare. I I was not, it's not included in the special edition of Devil May Cry 3. It's just on Ruben Langdon's channel from what I could find. Interesting, um, I'll have to look that up too. And yeah, that's really cool. And then there's another where, uh, that is in, included in Devil May Cry 3 special edition where uh, you you see the Characters doing their scenes with the motion capture, and yeah, I, I I wanted to do the the storyboarding first though because like that's kind of showing you like how they're planning out the choreography, like trying to figure out what it's going to look like on camera before yeah. the actual performers are even involved.
0: No, that's really cool. And again, like this is getting into like character action games are so much about style, mm-hmm. smoke and sick style even, um, like. So much of the appeal is in you as a player learning how to string together combos and how to keep your combo going and how to like Mm -hmm. you know finish fights in as interesting and varied a way
1: as you possibly can. Yeah, it's all about racking that points and doing that with as much variety and panache as possible.
0: Yeah, and so seeing them them even drilling home that like over-the-top style in the reference
1: shoots they were doing for the cutscenes is really cool. Yeah. I wanna say they, they uh fed into each other. I w I wanna get the names for these uh storyboarders and see if like they worked on any like notable like action uh movies or tokusatsu shows or something like that. It wouldn't that.
0: surprise me. There's a very tokusatsu vibe to a lot of yeah. these these moments in this video. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if the performers they brought in to do this reference shooting had a background in like tokusatsu or, or other sort of japanese action tv just knowing like they've what got I the do physicality about, down
1: yeah knowing what i do about uh itsuno the director of uh devil may cries three through five um it that would seem like a decision he would if not a decision he would suggest it would be a decision he would greenlight.
0: i'm just watching this clip of them two people both with a gun in each hand but they're like trying to punch each other with the guns and they keep bumping the guns against each other and firing simultaneously. Yep. And it's the stupidest shit ever, but like this is <laughs> what I mean when I say really believability cool. is up. more important than realism. Right. Like this is stupid. It, there is nothing realistic about that, that kind of thing, but you can present it as believable if you go in on that sense of style. Right. And like that is, that is the lifeblood of character action games like metal gear rising revengeance is full of shit like that like my man Raiden has a notch in his robot foot that he can slot his sword into so he can do fucking chun Li bird kicks with
1: us with a katana in his in his ankle well to to talk about even this scene in particular um this is a uh, lady uh in this scene it's uh, lady and dante lady mm. is a human Who's really just trying to shoot Dante because Dante's a demon? And Dante being non-human is like really just kind of playing around uh, yeah. for most of the scene. So I think it's one character seriously making an earnest effort to shoot the other. And the other, it like just he Goofing on. He goes through this fight <laughs> scene on like Looney Tunes logic. So he's able to just kind of like do like the dumb stunts that make no sense like in real. In the context of, like, real combat. And I think just, like, being able to play with it in that sense and, like, having yeah, a justification for the more um, yeah, elevated it, sense of spectacle.
0: It's the same vibe as um, in, I remember reading an interview once uh, about the development of the Witcher video games. And I don't remember mm-hmm. if this was the case in all three or if this was just for The Witcher 3. I don't, I don't recall the context fully. Are you going fully. to be talking
1: about his, uh, how he, dance, he fights like he's dancing? In well,
0: specifically, all of the NPC humans, all of the okay. like human soldiers that you can find yourself fighting in The Witcher. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna specify it as The Witcher three because I know they were talking about that. I don't recall if this was the same philosophy as the rest of the series. Um, but all of the human characters that you might fight fight using very grounded and realistic like, European sword and axe and spear techniques. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they fully went and found, like, the fucking Hema texts that people reference nowadays, but they were all very grounded, like, this is how somebody with this kind of sword would fight. And then all of Geralt's moves are based on, like, very flashy Hollywood swordplay. play. Like, they very specifically made Geralt fight like a movie... Swordsman, while everyone else is fighting like historical swordsman, to make him feel like he was, you know, on that other level, just like in this scene with Dante toying with Lady.
1: That's so great. Yeah, and like
0: that's again, this is why I like that line about believability, not realism, because realism can be a part of it. You want things to be realistic when they can be, and when it makes sense for your story, but like making that very intentional juxtaposition is believable, given what we are told about witchers in that universe. And then it makes the, you know, in the context of a game, it makes you as the player feel really cool to see yourself doing all this stuff that none of the NPCs
1: are capable of. And I think the audience feeling more cool is, or the audience feeling cool is more important than the audience feeling like, ah, yes, I have studied the sword. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. There's a place
0: for games like that. And like, I haven't played it, but things like For Honor are are generally pretty grounded in realism, like you know. But again, realism with like six asterisks next to it because right, real fights are messy. And so, one more thing on on this because I want to kind of get into this topic that I'm going to talk a little more about with the other two genres. Um, once we come back because we are gonna do a episode this long enough to warrant our uh, our playbill section. Um. Talk to me about, in, in character action games, the, the sort of presentation in gameplay of the action. Talk to me about, like, how do you... When you are sitting down to play Devil May Cry... Yes. What are you getting as a player that is telling you what to do in the moment?
1: Okay, so... Um, and this is with the caveat that there are many different types of character action games... Absolutely. ...within the subgenre. I... Do really want to get around to playing Ninja Gaiden eventually? Because I know that's just a completely different style of game. But as far as like when I when I sit down to play Devil May Cry or Bayonetta, there's a a hand, a handful of things I'm considering. It's um what enemy types are in this level, or what enemy types am I prepared to encounter in this in this level that I'm about to uh, enter? What are they capable of? So I'm I'm basically taking notes on what I need to look out for and what I need to avoid. I'm paying attention to uh, basically my teammates' my choreography is yeah. the best way I can put it. Um, You're watching for their cues. Watching for their cues, exactly. And on top of that, I'm thinking, what am I capable of? And maybe I just bought a power-up uh, before the start of this level that I'm really excited to try out. A move that allows me to extend my air combo when I launch an enemy or something like that. So basically, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a balance of what are what are my enemies capable of versus what have I done in previous levels and what can I do now that I couldn't do before? And how can I make it all coalesce into something that is fun and spontaneous and uh, something that I can improvise?
0: Yeah. And that's getting into one of the, the kind of fundamental ideas in how violence is presented, especially on like on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's different levels to all of this, depending on what medium you're working in. But the general like, rule of thumb is that if you are presenting violence to an audience, you want to make sure that it's got a really clear wind-up and a really clear follow-through. Okay, yeah. So, especially on stage, because, you know, if somebody's sitting in the cheap seats 100 feet back from the stage, and you just, like, throw a jab, like a proper boxing jab, that's going to be over too fast for anyone to follow. So you want to make sure that the audience can really see, like, up oh, here's the wind up for the punch, and oh boy, there's you know there's their hand having thrown the punch, and their scene mate reeling back from the punch, and then the audience's brain can kind of fill in right. that, that middle must moment of really movement. Hurt. Yeah. So when you translate that to games, there's a couple of interesting things. One, enemies need very clear wind ups because that is what the player has to go off of. Like if 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 you don't get a visual cue that is big enough to react to, you're just going to get hit and you're not going to have an option to do anything about that and that's not going to be very fun. On the flip side, the player character can't have as much of a wind-up as like, you know, if we were choreographing this for a cutscene or choreographing it for a film, the player character doesn't have as much of a wind-up as you would want to give them. because giving a character that much wind-up would make it feel unresponsive. Unless you're playing like Dark Souls or Yeah, they're uh, and, and we're Hunter. gonna get to that.
1: We'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, I just your Dark Souls and your Man. monster hunters
0: play with that as an active portion. I'm, I'm just um,
1: letting the the people at home
0: know we're gonna get to that. <laughs> yeah, save your save your comments. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so in 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 things like character action games, your your opponents are gonna have wind-ups that are easily identifiable. A lot of your moves Especially given how fast a lot of things like Devil May Cry combat tends to be, you hit that
1: button, that moves coming out a few frames later most unless, of the time. Unless and less. Unless and less. Um, I'm trying to remember what this is called, but uh, uh, in a lot of the Devil May Cry games, you're given uh, a set of gauntlets and greaves as like a melee fight style. Oh, very cool. And uh, one of the coolest and best things to do is. Um, Dante has a an uppercut that's like basically a shoryuken, and in Devil May Cry Four, especially, uh, when if you fully charge that short uh, that uppercut before you um before you let go of it, there is you get rewarded with like extra points, extra. Oh, damage. that's so cool. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember what the uh, maneuver is called. Uh, give me just a second. But I mean, even that's getting into. I'll I'll
0: vamp while you're searching. Even that's getting into, you know, attacks that hit harder, you expect to have more of a wind-up and more of a recovery afterwards. Like, that's that tracks with how we understand physics to work. And so, game, you know, different weapons that Dante wields are going to have different things. And I love that there's this option for, like, yeah, I'm gonna throw a fucking haymaker. It's gonna take a second to charge up, but you better not be in the way (laughs) when my hand starts moving.
1: The the move is called a distorted real impact. Please. So real real impact is the name of the uppercut, I believe. But um, there is a bug in Devil May Cry Four where you uh basically glitch the game on like a full charge, um, and it's called a distortion. So, um, give me a second. Uh, let's see. When using any melee attack, you need to time your devil trigger, which is like the the super saiyan mode that Dante goes into in these games. Um, so that the transformation occurs upon contact with the enemy. That way you will attack twice, once in your human form and another time in your devil form. Yo. Um, so basically, uh, one, of, one of the most popular uses of this move is when you use a real impact, which is the uh, gauntlets and greaves you use in Devil May Cry 4 specifically have an uppercut move called real impact. And it has a very slow wind up, and it's three separate hits. So what happens is, because it is already like a slow wind-up when you use the distortion, it kind of does like a little freeze frame for every hit, and it just feels very chunky. It sounds so good. Yes. Yeah. That, honestly, let me, let me shout
0: out, there's, there's a couple of great videos on this aspect of uh, combat animation in games on uh, New Frame Plus, which is Dan Floyd's anime, video game animation YouTube channel. Uh, he's been doing videos on like the twelve principles of animation, and in specific, uh, his videos about anticipation and follow through get into a lot of this kind of aspect of things uh, with a lot more, you know, technical animation knowledge than I have. So, I highly recommend checking those out if if what we're talking about in this section in particular uh, you find interesting. But yeah, there's a there's a lot of ways that animators have kind of cheated and and specifically work within the constraints of like you know balancing out believable physicality with responsiveness uh and we'll get into more of that uh when we come back from the playbill and we talk about the next genre on the list is there anything yes, else let's... uh that you want to bring up vis-a-vis character
1: action game violence specifically dylan i feel like i brought up the big ones anything else feels like kind of a repeat of stuff yeah we've talked it's about a hat before. on a hat um yeah but yeah let's uh, let's character action games are real wire foo that's all i really oh, have yeah. to it's, say it's
0: incredibly incredibly wire foo in the best possible way and yeah let's let's slide into the playbill we'll talk a little bit about those next two subcategories when we get back uh and let's see if we remember how to talk about our various <laughs> friends and other projects <laughs> come along Woo! <laughs> All right, so welcome everyone to the Playbill. This is where we talk about sort of other things that we want to plug, other
1: projects that you should check out. And to start with, hey Dylan, tell me about robots. Uh yes, I host a podcast where I talk about a robot, uh, giant robot mecha anime series called uh, Macross, um, which is uh, getting a little bit more, um, getting a bit more distribution in America finally. There Yo. were various, there was, There are a handful of legal reasons why this franchise never really managed to cross the pond, but uh, recently there was a theatrical showing of the movie Macross Plus. Anyway, that's getting a little ahead of things. I host the podcast called Did You Remember Macross? Uh, where a friend of the show, uh, Coop and I, we, we talk about this long-running series from the 80s, and it's a really cool uh, mecha anime series that kind of talks about the uh human culture and uh how there's this conflict between uh, everyday life uh pop culture and uh military life and if that sounds cool to you you can check us out at uh anchor.fm slash dude as in dude where's my car you remember <laughs> that's bringing that i back. haven't heard that one in a bit <laughs> bringing that back um we are on spotify google play and apple podcasts feel free to check us out You should also go check out The Unexplored
0: Places. It's an actual play podcast that Dylan and I are both cast members on. We've been playing uh, a game called Scum and Villainy to tell a story about 'er ne'er-do-wells in space. Uh, It's been a great fun. We're coming up, getting near to uh, season season wrap. We're going to start recording the season finale in a couple weeks here, and we're very excited about that. And also, if you are a patron of theirs or you choose to become a patron of Unexplored Cast or Unexplored Places, you can uh, hear coming up in a week or so this year's Christmas episode that I GM'd using
1: a. Uh, yes.
0: Well, you'll just have to go and give it a listen, but I had a great time running it.
1: Uh, it was quite fun. Christmas cheer for all to hear. Yeah. So Consider checking out their Patreon.
0: You should check them out, and you can find them by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com or by going to at unexploredcast on Twitter. You can also find them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, as always, to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping to support the show. It is thanks to you all that we are not losing money in web hosting fees, and, and the show is kind of self-sustaining, which is really incredible. Um, and if you like the show and you want to support it in a very direct way, that's the best way to do that. That is patreon.com slash bsgpod. Thanks also to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts looking at video games from different angles, from the news side to the development side to the fandom side to weird things like what we do. And you can find all of those podcasts by going to Twitter and searching for at Network. Anything else that you want to
1: plug this week, Dylan, or are we good to get back into it? Oh yeah, your uh, article. Yeah, yeah, I figure I might as well plug that. Um, so recently I wrote an article for Super GG Radio um, about my experience this past year and uh, kind of wanting to self-improve, but also the sense of perfectionism, how that gets in the way. And uh, I also talk about one of my favorite games of all time, Sin and Punishment, and how it kind of related to that process of perfectionism. It was very therapeutic to type, and I really enjoyed it. And now I'm looking for the link, so give me a second. <laughs> Here we go. Um, yes, so if you want to give it a read, um, I would be grateful. And it, it's on uh, superggradio.wordpress.com. The title of uh, the article is Dylan of Backstage Gaming's 2021 Conundrum. Yeah, so go uh, give also, that a read. Yes, also, I, I gave it the title Striving for Perfection 2021 in Review so yeah if that if that helps you uh find it
0: well let's get back to uh our core competencies about talking about pixels punching each other woo
1: love that
0: So the next sort of sub-genre I wanted to get to was the Souls-like style of game. So this is, again, Dark Souls was not the first game to have exactly, like, it was the first game to have exactly its combat system, but it's not like it invented it from whole cloth. Mm-hmm. But it definitely codified a, a sort of new category of, like, resource management dodge parry very slow and deliberate kind of combat and I think the things that really set it apart especially in you know coming after a discussion of something like a character action game is a lot more of it comes down to really knowing every all of your and your opponent's anticipations weapons in Dark Souls all have dramatically different wind ups and dramatically different recovery and their own sort of like combo trees not even combo trees but just like what the moveset will look like and how enemies will interact with it. A lot of the emphasis is on learning what your enemy's movement and attack patterns are and learning when the right time in their attack animation is to dodge. And then the other kind of interesting thing that might have been new to Dark Souls or at least very particular to Dark Souls is the way that dodging works. Mm -hmm. Dodging in the souls like games is not about actually like picking a direction in which an attack is not, it's just your dodge roll animation is invincible for a good portion of it. And so it's about timing your rolling invincibility with the portion of your opponent's attack animation that is actually dealing damage actively. And so all of that comes together into just a very different style of combat. It feels more grounded, a lot of it feels more, you know, trending towards realism in that it sure does take a long time to swing that big heavy sword, and Mm -hmm. boy howdy, you know, you're, you're not getting combo trees, you're not juggling people with pistols, you're not doing wire foo antics, it's very like, hit them and
1: block with your shield and get out of the way of the big hits. Yeah, um, Um, character action games, you have weapon style and, uh, like, moves that kind of necessitate that, but, like, the game flow around it is not, you know, you have to look for those moments, whereas uh, a Souls-like is more comprised of those moments.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the whole thing, is it's, there's similar DNA between all of these, like you said, these are all kind of coming out of your your uh, Double Dragon
1: and Kunio-kun and... You know' have not thought about Kunio kun and like you know obviously it's it's River City ransom, yeah uh, for like most of the world, but like I just the the title hit me out it's a, very a good field. yeah yeah, yeah la like, pick
0: good. pick your you know teenage mutant ninja Turtles side scrolling arcade game, pick your two right. d beat up that's all of the stuff we're talking about has its roots there, but like Devil may Cry focused on sort of the managing multiple opponents and combos and sort of like flashier aspects whereas Dark Souls took the sort of a slower and more methodical approach and adapted all of these ideas into something that really emphasizes a very deliberate kind of play for lack of a better word. Yeah. And I think that what's interesting is like they did that in a in a very focused way to highlight the kind of game they wanted to do and the kind of story they wanted to tell. Dark Souls is a story where you you are expected to and arguably supposed to die a lot. You are mm-hmm. you are not supposed to be an unstoppable badass demon like you are in Dante. Dante, you know, Dante is supposed to end every fight with smoke and sick style. Right. Dark Souls you're just supposed to end the fight. Yeah. And y- more often than not the fight
1: will end you. Devil May Cry wants you to feel when you're at your best they want you to feel untouchable dark souls wants you to feel like you got your like they got their licks in and you're yeah. just kind of scraping out of a fight yeah
0: or you know once you get really good at dark souls and you you can handle the the enemies and the bosses with aplomb it's still you don't feel like you are the same kind of badass that, like, Dante or Bayonetta
1: or Ryden right. uh, for Metal Gear Rising
0: or Vengeance is. You feel like you are... You feel
1: patient. You feel methodical when, yeah. when you and it's, get it's, zero, fight unscathed.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's just a really cool example of, again, the big picture topic here, which is little changes to how the game decides violence is going to be presented having a big impact on the way the story is told. Uh, another great example, just to kind of tie it to film, is like look at the difference between The Matrix and John Wick. Two films, largely the same kind of production staff. Like a ton of the people who were stunt coordinators on The Matrix worked in production on John Wick. It's Keanu Reeves and a lot of his stuntmen from The Matrix making John Wick. Mm-hmm. But at the very least, in John Wick 1, John Wick 2 and 3 get fucking buck wild in ways that get more and more matrixy and i love them <laughs> um but like john wick one is very grounded in reality it's a lot of like you know there's some gun fu and there's some moments of like boy howdy this john wick guy sure seems invincible but then there are also moments where he gets thrown off a balcony and lands on his gun and like they want you to sit and feel that impact in a way that like the gun fu of the matrix doesn't right and i think that that's kind of a good point of comparison here they're playing with the same dna there's you know it's very different styles of game but you know at the at their core it's combat in a game but what they choose to emphasize and how they choose to emphasize it really changes how you engage with it and how you how you play around with it that's kind of the the spiel i had on souls like you mentioned uh, having a take on neo
1: Yes. So um, Neo's really cool because uh, I, I was playing it as a friend was watching, and he's, he's played and beaten Neo too before. He was watching me fight, I want to say it was like the, the second boss or the boss of the second uh, story level. And he mentioned how, like, so in, in Neo, uh, one of the core things that separates it from Dark Souls is that you have three different fighting stances you have a light, medium, and heavy fighting stance. And this obviously changes your attack animations, how much damage each strike does, how much stamina it takes from you. Um, and all that all that I think is covered in the in the tutorial. What I did not know is that in neo2, your dodges also take on different properties. It was something that like I probably noticed subconsciously, but never really like I wasn't playing with that in mind. Oh, interesting. And so. When you, when, you, when you dodge roll in your heavy stance, it's like a Dark Souls fat roll where, you know, you're really heavy, your uh, dodge roll, like, takes a lot longer to recover, and also the invincibility frames are not there as, like, they're not as prevalent. When you're in your light stance, you do basically a bunch of, like, really quick dodges. This is especially emphasized when you use the sword as a weapon, uh, the, the standard katana Cause you do like a little pirouette when you dodge. Ooh. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's really Love that. Um, I have, I did not use a sword as my default weapon, but I kind of want to do a run of that now just because the pirouette looks really stylish in a way that like appeals to my shallow mind. <laughs> um, but uh, when, when you, uh, when you're in medium stance, you can do a quick dodge but the second time you try to dodge, it will go into a dodge roll, so it's kind of like a mix. And what my friend compared it to was uh, Tekken because he's he's a really big Tekken player. okay, and so just this kind of like it made me think of Neo in terms of like a more so uh for people who haven't played Tekken or don't really know Tekken, uh Tekken is a 3D fighting game, but the way it kind of feels like I think of it as like you're on a grid mm-hmm. um because there's, a, there's two planes. There's, you know, the standard fighting game 2D plane where you're running towards and away from your opponent. But then you can also kind of quick step. And the way it feels is like you're kind of locking yourself into place. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Chris, but... Um, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Tekken feels really weird if you've never, like, taken the time to understand the movement. Um, and, like, I still don't fully get it, I'm gonna be honest. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I've I've played a tiny bit of Tekken. I played a decent amount of Tekken as a kid, but that was because that was the only fighting game, uh, my friends were into, and I sucked at it, like, I just did not (laughs) learn the fundamentals at any point back then. Having dabbled with it a little bit now, I kind of get it a bit more. Yeah, Tekken is, like, a lot of, like, when you start a combo chain, it's, like, a commitment to, like, I'm gonna... Get this poke in, and then I'm gonna do a quick combo for damage, and then I'm gonna back off. Um, I know that you can do grimy stuff in Tekken, uh, <laughs> but like on on the like a very entry level, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Okay. Um and so when I when I started thinking about Neo 2 in like those terms, uh a lot of the game like really like clicked, like even more so than it was already doing. Hell yeah. Um yeah, and so I I think it's I don't know, like, what real-world choreography I would compare that to, um, but it, it definitely feels a lot more like... Um, I think what both Neo 2 and Tekken have in common is it does feel a bit more like you're, you're thinking in terms of, like, you in relation to your opponent in a way that is fast and kind of vicious um, in a way that you don't necessarily get out of a character action game or a Souls-like. Mm-hmm um it's like i don't want to say it feels more real because like that's definitely not true yeah um it sounds like you, it's almost
0: more getting into the same kind of like thought process as like a proper fighting game which boy
1: we could do i could do a whole episode just talking about that yeah, absolutely i i think you you kind of get what i'm talking about yeah then, i think yeah um that's it's something that, you just I'm gotta kind of it yeah, sounds really fun <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely um all all of our listeners back home, you should you should get into a fighting game. I'm not saying the genre as a whole, just like find one that, that speaks yeah. to you. Find you one that you think looks
0: cool it. visually and tool around with it for a little bit. And maybe find yeah. a friend. If you have a friend that plays fighting games,
1: ask them to run some games with you.
0: That's literally yeah. how I got into
1: them. Exactly. Um, dabble around in the arcade mode if you don't have any friends like me in college. Any friends <laughs> who play fighting games. Very important addendum. Say <laughs> hey, now i'm right here (laughs) well back in college you know you weren't playing street fighter alpha with me no (laughs) yeah that's what i thought yeah so the the last genre i want to touch on
0: we can do this fairly quickly because it there's a lot of character act a lot of what we said about character action games fits into this as well but the the sort of batman arkham one against many sort of combat and really what i want to talk about here is Again, just an example of very little differences making a big overall change as far as, like, how the game feels. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Arkham games, if you haven't played Batman Arkham Asylum or the later Assassin's Creed games or... God, really a lot of of 3D kind of action-adventure brawler-style games recently. The general idea is that you've got, like, you have a button that will... Attack, you've got a button that will sort of parry, you've got a button that will do some kind of, like, evasive maneuver, you've got a button that'll do some kind of grab, like, you know, mix and match these depending on the game, but you've got a small handful of different sort of attack or defensive options, and... The, the conceit is figuring out which one to use in what circumstance and being able to react with the right sort of, you know, rock, paper, scissor option as your opponents do things. In Batman Arkham Asylum, as an example, I recently started replaying it just for the nostalgia value, honestly, um, and it holds up surprisingly well. <laughs> like, pretty solid game. You've got, you know, a button that will do attacks, and if you keep hitting that button, you'll do a whole, like, combo on your opponent. Then you've got a button for parrying, and if you see your opponents uh, start to come at you with an attack, and on normal mode they will get little like, lightning bolts above their head to signal like, hey, they're going to hit you, uh, you can hit your parry button and, and it will deflect that attack. You've also got an option that will allow you to dodge, and you can actually like dodge over your opponents, and that's useful for unblockable or unparryable attacks, which have a different sort of tell to them. And then you've got various gadgets and you unlock more as the game goes on and, and, you know, get more and more tools in your utility belt to deal with these gang up fights. I want to talk very specifically and compare that to a game that I'm very excited about that's coming out early next year called Sifu. Um, Yes, okay. Sifu... Recently, uh the developer Slowclap sent out like a demo build of the game to various like game journalism sites. So there have been some more sort of examples of like, oh, this is what it's actually gonna look like. Um and I'm very excited for this game. Uh Slowclap, the other game that they put out was a game called Absolver, which I think I've talked about on the show before. It was like an open-world kung fu game where you could like build your own fighting style yep. out of Different moves and sort of string together your own combos, uh, kind of like Godhand. We should have talked yeah, about Godhand. I'm sorry, that would be <laughs> fucking fun. Uh, Absolver is, I think, a fantastic game with a lot of flaws. Like mm-hmm. it's fairly sparse. There's some bugginess. There's like it never had enough of a player base to release a sport or to support the kind of
1: multiplayer thing they were mm-hmm. going for. The, the foundation's there, but it it's not. Like if it had like at least the same player base as your destinies or yeah, your yeah uh, Fantasy like I, Star Online's like yeah could- there's an
0: incredible like idea there and an incredible like execution of that core idea like the fighting feels really good the the way that you learn new moves by having them used against you and successfully blocking them and then winning that fight is phenomenal and I I want like put it in my veins. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff about the game
1: that just didn't quite come together the way it needed to is it so the fact there's like an overly optimal build like they never really kind of balanced what you could be i don't even know enough about like you know the competitive scene to talk about
0: balance in the same way it's just Mm -hmm. like it was a first outing for a for for a developer and i think they did something really cool that it didn't have the polish i guess
1: is is like a reductive way of putting it but the best no, way but I, can I, do, I get what you're saying yeah like the, you you definitely enjoyed the vision and the vision was cool but like there there were just too many not growing pains but like the scale of the project might have been larger than this team could handle i
0: i think that's kind of what it is uh uh-huh. i still play it not infrequently i just i right. really it's a fun game to boot up and just kind of wander out it anyway yes. uh they have now, they're putting out this game called Sifu, which is, again, a martial arts-focused game. Uh, the, the head developer, or the head designer at Slow Clap practices a, a style of Kung Fu called Bakme, um, and they actually brought on a Bakme master to do, like, motion capture and be sort of the, the fight consultant for Sifu. Okay. And so the, the whole premise is you're a Kung Fu student going on, like, a revenge quest. And much like the Batman Arkham games, it's all about you know, the, that Kung Fu movie image of the one guy walking into the room think and, and, and having to fend off tons of people. Think the hallway scene in Old Boy yeah. or the hallway scene in Daredevil Season 1 or, you know, pick your Kung Fu movie of choice. And watching the gameplay footage that people have been, have been releasing now that, you know, some people have access to this demo build, you can see the bedrock of, like, Arkham Asylum combat there. Like, it's got that same kind of feel of, like, combat starts and the camera kind of pulls out so you can see all of the people surrounding you. But there's all these little things that make it feel very different. Um, okay. In Batman Arkham Asylum, if you hit the attack button and point the analog stick in the direction of an opponent, Batman will go to that opponent. There will be like, there's animation for him like kind of springing, you know, to bridge whatever that gap is between him and the opponent so that he can get in there and and, and start punching. At times, that can feel kind of wild. Like if if an opponent is on the ground and you point the stick in their direction and hit the button combination for like, you know, the grounded opponent takedown, if Batman needs to, he will flip through the air 15 feet to land on top of that guy and dispatch (laughs) him. And I love that. It feels like a panel from a comic book. It very yeah. much vibes with the aesthetic of Batman. Of, of, of Batman
1: as a character, as Batman yeah.
0: as a brand. Yeah, it, it is absolutely believable in the context of the game, even if there are moments where you're like, hang on, why was that right. a choice? You do not have that same kind of, of acrobaticism. Acro- athleticism, let's put it that way. Uh, in sifu, sifu is a very grounded game. All of the combos and all the animation was done using uh, performance capture from uh this guy uh, Benjamin kalusi, I believe is his name the the bakme instructor that they brought in uh, and some of his students who who were doing the performance capture uh-huh. it's all very grounded it's much more rooted in reality uh which leads to some really cool like and very visceral feeling, takedown animations and various attacks and things. There are no points where you're going to be like flipping over someone's head. You might, you know, vault over a couch to make some distance, but you're not going to be springing eight feet in the air to jump over Bane as he tries to punch you down. There's
1: so, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking up gameplay of this right now. Uh, and this is the first time I've seen like any like longer demonstration of the, the gameplay mm-hmm. at work. Honestly, what it's making me think of is like a hybrid of the Arkham games and Yakuza.
0: Yes, that's honestly not a bad point of comparison. The Yakuza games are also kind of like they're, they're dancing between like, character action and Arkham in terms yeah, of their cause, combat. Because
1: the Yakuza games are action RPGs is what I would call them. Yeah, yeah. Because like the, the huge thing about the Yakuza games is that they're... For the most part grounded, like obviously there's some wacky shit that happens in Yakuza, but like it's a street brawl is uh, basically the vibe of those games. And it's kind of a stark contrast to the high comic book action of uh, the Arkham games. And what Sifu looks like it's going for, like you were saying earlier, is like it feels very much like a martial arts movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Yakuza does have these kind of context sensual uh, context sensitive moments with the context sensual you know, oh my I, listen it's been a morning that's fair <laughs> context sensitive uh moments with like the environments where I, I saw him like push a guy off a balcony for example yeah um and i saw him flipping over couches not couches but uh you know flipping over these uh tables and booths in a yeah, restaurant
0: I, i've watched a lot of the gameplay there are even like environmental sensitive takedowns like mm-hmm. if, if you one of the premises of the game is that you and your opponents all have a structure meter kind of like in, uh, in Sekiro your posture and if okay. you fill an opponent's structure meter up by either hitting them on block or knocking them into uh, obstacles or whatever you can perform a takedown and there are some takedowns that can happen anywhere like you know one of the animations i've seen is like they throw a kick and you sort of like catch the kick and use it to pull them into a back fist which is really fucking cool like all of the animation is incredibly like smooth and stylish but then there are some like if you if you hit that takedown prompt while you happen to be near like a counter there's an animation where he'll like take them to the knee and then like kick their head against the counter uh, and there are similar ones for like being up against walls or being next to ledges or like there's there's a lot of environmental awareness in the game, mm-hmm. which is really cool.
1: Okay, yeah, I
0: dig that. Yeah, the the thing about it that I I appreciate though that I want to bring up again in contrast to it it stands as a pretty firm contrast to something like Batman Arkham and and again kind of like in in the same lane as a uh, a yakuza, but. I wanted to bring it up specifically because I remember seeing uh, an interview with the devs and they were the the guy who was brought on to do the stunt coordination was talking about, you know, doing the motion capture and how there were some moments where the devs would be like, "Okay, we need this kind of attack, like we need this kind of combo animation for this context." And he would try out a few different options and see what felt the most like proper and realistic and then tweak it to make it read better. He would find the most like realistic, you know, in in bakme kung fu, this is what I would do in this context. Now let's find a way to make it read as fluidly and as clearly as possible. Or there was another point where he was talking about, like, you know, the devs brought up, like, they wanted to incorporate that, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme jumping split kick. And he was like, well, (laughs) that's nothing. That is not realistic at all. You would never (laughs) do that in a real fight. It's not a bakme technique. But it's cool as hell, so absolutely, and it fits like you know that is what you would see in a kung fu movie. So we're absolutely going to find a way
1: to make that work. We can make it work, yeah. And I I think there's there's something very fun about that commitment to you know it's it's not a kung fu game like it's not a kung fu is not the right term, but you know what I mean. It's not a martial arts simulator. It is a it is a it's a martial arts movie. Game. Accurate martial arts like yeah. combat in a movie. And that's, That's
0: where so much of of making decisions when you're choreographing or like designing fight scenes uh, or as as evidenced here entire fight systems is is finding that point on there's sort of a line from like pure realism to like this would never work even in a heightened Mm -hmm. state. There's like pure realism to like absolute flight of fancy and anything along there can work it's about finding like the point on that sort of spectrum where the world of your game and the story you want to tell exists and then doing everything you can to make things as believable and as true to
1: that reality as you can. Mm -hmm. I was, I was just going to say that I think Tekken actually ties into that really well because while I can't really play Tekken all that well, I kind of understand that, um, the appeal, at least to, to my friend Adam, is uh, it feels less over-the-top than, say, your Street Fighters or your, um, yeah. your King of Fighters. Uh, it's a very grounded in, like, fighting fighters. game. The, the characters are... the designs are very, like, comparatively grounded to something like Street Fighter. Uh, and the combat is less like you throwing out Hadoukens or doing, like, these wild flips in the air... To, for like grapple moves and it's more it the way it's animated feels comparatively grounded and the way that you are responding to different situations feels comparatively grounded um mm-hmm. you're thinking like what is in my character's moveset what is in my character's toolbox and how can I go from this one decision I have committed to to the next decision so the the character yeah. that my friend Adam plays mains is uh Lay and Lay is a character with like three or four different stance changes um, he has a stance that is him on the ground and like all the different things he can do once he is committed to being on the ground for you know for whatever move he did Th- there's like a level of realism to that but it- it's also a fighting game so there's definitely a-, a sense of flesh to that there's something where it's like this is not something you can do in like a real martial arts like scenario but because this is a heightened reality and because this looks cool, we'll let you do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I've put out various versions of this exact thought on Twitter before, but, like, by my account, does it look cool is at least two or three degrees of importance higher than
1: is it realistic mm-hmm. as far
0: as fight choreography goes. Right. And I, I think and the,
1: the cool thing about these different genres is there's a lot of, like, well, let's see how close we can toe the line without, like, completely breaking the illusion of realism. Exactly, exactly. Something like Sifu and something like Devil May Cry mm-hmm.
0: are on wildly different levels as far as their approach to, like, eh, how, how much are we going to ask the audience to suspend their disbelief right. here? But both work and both find the ways of presenting their violence that work, both from a gameplay point of view and a, like, Hell yeah, this is cool point of view, and I think that's rad. Like uh, yeah. we've we, we've gone a little longer than I even expected. Yeah, to I on wasn't. This topic, I thought but, this was
1: going to be like a one and done, not a one and done, obviously. But I, I thought we were going to like kind of do like a brief thing and be like, all right, we can dive deeper into this later, and I'm sure we still can. Yeah, but I, uh, I absolutely could. Right, uh, but, but I, I feel like we've explored this pretty thoroughly for like a dip in the water that we thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. Turned into more of a, a a comprehensive overview, but I hope that you all enjoyed listening to this at home. Uh, this is, like, this is something I've always been interested in. I've always loved watching and thinking about, like, fight choreography and action sequences and things. Uh, and now learning more and more about how to do them and how to think about them is really just kind of, like... Opened the third eye, And so I've got a lot of a lot
1: of thoughts on this topic, and I will only have more as I continue to learn. It's going to be real uh, exciting so, talking to you about this, and we should also look up some online co-op beat beat em ups because I feel oh, like that'd be that's so a fun. fun. Hell yes, to dive into does hell does yes of have, have online? Co-op I don't
0: know, but it I might. Let's find out. <laughs> Looking it up uh, now, but let's go. Let's go ahead and wrap up. Thank you yes. all for indulging me as I rambled about. <laughs> fighting for an hour uh i hope you enjoyed it If let, let us know about your favorite uh games that do interesting things or have an interesting style when it comes to their combat if it's not clear already i find this shit incredibly interesting and i would love to add more kind of games to my playlist uh as i mm-hmm. as i dive more and more into this this new uh learning i'm doing
1: chris i i'm going to say uh pulling the curtain back a little bit like just having this conversation with you i have now been thinking more critically about uh not necessarily action games but just like the the concept of choreo in in action games and so like i'm thanking you from friend to friend uh because yeah like i definitely do now have a intense hunger to play some beat-em-ups and some fighting games with this knowledge in mind I'm, I'm glad.
0: Uh, so yeah, let us know what else we should check out along these lines if you've got some recommendations. I'm always game to hear more and to try new things. Uh, until next week, thank you so much for listening to Backstage Gaming. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, remember to leave a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice or in the Apple Store. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, the Apple, Apple Music, Apple whatever Apple's podcast thing is at this point. I can't keep up with anything, <laughs> y'all. Um, I, I think
1: it's Apple Podcasts. It probably like is Maybe. uh
0: also check out our website if you want to know more about the show or if you want to reach out to us directly we have a uh, contact form on the website for exactly that purpose you can find our website at bsgpod.com is that correct or am i wrong
1: it is wow you're you're really out of it
0: <laughs> i am yep it's bsgpod i haven't look
1: <laughs> no I, I get it i get it yeah anyway hey dylan tell us about social media um, yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, also, if you want to talk about us, talk about, it doesn't even have to be about your favorite game. Talk to us about your favorite martial arts movie. What, what is a cool action scene you've seen lately? Oh, um, yeah. You know, uh, hit us up with that hashtag BSG pod. Gets a little circulation for us going. Um, that sounds weird, but I hope you know what I meant. <laughs> I <that>. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he has provided our show. If you dig his stuff, you can check them out at Brennan-French.squarespace.com. You can also find them on Instagram.com slash BrennanFrenchArts and on his Twitter at Brennan underscore French. His name is spelled B-R-E. Mm-hmm. His name is spelled B-R-E-N-N-E-N. I know I did this completely out of order, so it like You're fine. messed me up. <laughs> but uh, his name has three N's. That's that's all you needed to know. Thank you. Love <laughs> you. Next credit. <laughs> At B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen
0: French dot Squarespace dot com.
1: Yes, thank you, Chris.
0: I got you. <laughs> You should also go check out our friend Bioquery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume One Instrumentality. He's a great electronica producer, and you can find more of his music by going to SoundCloud.com/Bioquery. That's SoundCloud.com/BiOqUeRy, or by searching for Bioquery on Spotify. Thanks again to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod for helping us keep our heads above water with this podcast. We really appreciate all the help there, and if you like the show and want to support it directly, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great way to do that. And thank you again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. Go check out some of the other shows being tweeted over at Network on Twitter. I think that's everything. Thank you for coming along, and uh, I'm gonna go punch Dylan a bunch. Goodbye!
1: <laughs> See you, everyone. Help! Ha, ha, ha.